Lord Jesus, we love you, and we are so excited to celebrate your defeat of death, your victory over sin, your rising again to new life. Lord Jesus, may we uh, encounter you this morning again afresh. It's in your name that we pray these things. Amen. You may be seated. Oh, hallelujah. So you've already heard the memo. Uh, in previous years of restoration, we'd, we'd have to say, anytime you hear the word hallelujah, ring the bells. I'm glad that, you know, now as a church plant, we finally made it. We, we know that when we say the word hallelujah, we, yes, yes, we go crazy with the bells. That's wonderful. Praise the Lord. Uh, so, so have at it. Uh, anytime I say it in the sermon, any song, have at it. Free reign, whatever. That's great. Ah. Uh, do you remember do-overs as a kid? Uh, do you remember having to like play bar, uh, board games or card games and, and all of a sudden you'd, you'd play down a card or something and you'd be like, oh no, I didn't mean to do that. That happens a lot in our family. Uh, we do board games a lot, card games a lot, and we're always asking for one another for a do-over. You know, it's, it's just something that we do. And I don't know about you, but this whole entire year feels like a year full of times when we've all said, that's not right. Oh no, uh, can we do that again? Can we have another try at that again? You know, we all have these, uh, we all wanted a chance to take back a decision that we had made. Either a decision that we ourselves had made or a decision made by somebody else that impacted us and caused harm. We've all wanted an opportunity to have an undo of a tragic event caused by ourselves or caused by somebody else. And sometimes, actually a lot of times, the things that we want to rewrite <laughs> are much more serious than a bad card played in a game. Sometimes the redo that we want is a venomous word that we spoke out to someone who we love. Sometimes it's a choice to not give someone the time and the care and the love that they really needed at a particular moment. Or sometimes you might even be thinking here saying, Rick, the things that I regret are actually much more worse than that. The things that I regret in my life are dark, dark things in my past that I don't want anyone here in the room to know about. Well, friends, today is Resurrection Sunday. And you might be haunted by shame, but you won't be forever. You might be hopeless now, but you won't be forever. You might be lonely now, but you won't be forever. Because the message of Resurrection Sunday is that God is making all things new. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You see, when Jesus walked out of the tomb 2,000 years ago, not only did he undo the curse of death, but he issued an invitation, an invitation to you and to me, an invitation into new life. He says, what I am doing now is just a preview of what will happen to all of creation. As our prayer book says, and I love this prayer, we read this last night, the things which are cast down are being raised up. The things which had grown old are being made new. And all things are being brought to full and complete perfection by Jesus through whom all things were made. So this morning on this beautiful, glorious Easter day, I want us to look at the reading of the prophet Isaiah, this, this ancient poem, this beautiful song that was written so many years ago. Because here I think in this passage, we see these four invitations or, or descriptions into the new life 
that Jesus Christ creates for us. So what are these aspects of new life, this new resurrection life that Jesus proclaims? Well, first we read in Isaiah, verse 6 there, in your bulletins, turn there if you haven't yet, but we read there in verse 6, on this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine. And then he says it again, of rich food, full of marrow, of aged wine, well-refined. You see, people, in the, our new life is a life of feasting. It's a life of victory. It's a life of things that taste good, things that we want to enjoy in this world, the fruits of creation. Friends, we have been fasting for a long time. And yes, I mean the fasting of the 40 days of Lent, but I also mean the fasting of this last year. It has felt like, an, like just a year-long season of Lent, has it not? We've all had things that we've had to give up, either by our own choice or something that's been pushed upon us, given up uh, forcefully upon us. And my guess, honestly, though, is that many of us, uh, my family included, and, and many of you, I think, have actually fared fairly well in this last year in comparison to many others in our society. And obviously, there's exceptions to that. You might say, are you kidding me? This has been a particularly tragic year for me. But I do think that there's been many in our nation whose lives have been irre- irreparably torn apart by the effects of this pandemic and the economic upheaval caused by it. But what Isaiah prophesies and what Jesus Christ proves is that the new life that, de- that God desires for us is one full of feasting, of rich food, of really good wine. God wants a table overflowing with wonderful food. But there's more. This is a feast for all peoples. No one is excluded from God's table. All are invited to come and partake. This isn't just for Jews. This isn't just for white folks or black folks or Asian Americans or immigrant communities or first peoples. This is a feast for all tongues, tribes, and nations to come and enjoy. All are invited into this boisterous celebration of choice wine and fine food. This is for everybody. So you've heard me say that Eastertide is a season 50 days long. It's going to take us all the way to the day of Pentecost, 50, which is going to be, I think, the end of May or so. So we've got a couple months of great, wonderful feasting ahead of us, times that we can remind ourselves of, of the good food and choice wine that God has prepared for us on that final eternal day. But my hope for you is that your life groups, your families, your housemates, find some times to feast, to celebrate the Feast of Easter. But be sure to work hard to ensure that there are people outside of your circles who are also invited into this feasting. Because the mark of Christian feasting is that we are always inviting the other into our feasts. We recognize that this is a feast for all peoples and we want all peoples to enjoy it. So the first truth is that new life is a glorious feast for all nations. So many of you know that I lost my father at a very, very uh, young age. It clearly marked me in very significant ways. Well, just this year, I got a really interesting phone call. A distant relative of mine found some old photos of me and my dad from when I was a little kid. And as you can imagine, as that envelope arrived and I opened it up, it was like I was transported into another world. It was this portal into the resurrection life. It was this resurrection moment for me. 
But there was one photo in particular that just completely undid me. It was one of my father standing in an in a old growth forest in, in Washington. I think it was like Mount Rainier National Forest or something like that. And there's three-year-old me perched upon his shoulders. I was completely undone by that moment. I wish I could see him again. I wish I could talk to him again. I wish I could walk through that forest with him again. Well, in verse 7, we read in Isaiah that God will swallow up on this mountain, the mountain of Calvary, that is. God will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. Death will no longer steal our loved ones away. It won't haunt our dreams. It won't mock our hopes. So who do you miss? Who do you want to talk to again? Who do you want to walk through the forest with? Whose hand do you want to hold again? Because Jesus tells us, the victory of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus tells us that death is not right. It is not a good thing. We are meant to live forever as stewards of this creation, as artists in this world, engineers designing things, explorers of the cosmos. We are meant to be eternally discovering new depths and beauty of God and the creation that he's given us. We are meant to enjoy him and this beautiful creation for all eternity. So the second truth is this, that new life will be forever. Death will have no reign anymore. Hallelujah. <laughs> In verse 8, we read that all tears will be wiped away. All reproach will be taken away, for the Lord has spoken. God removes our reproach is the third truth. So what is reproach? That's not a word that we use often. Reproach is our shame. Reproach is the things that make us think that we shouldn't hang around other people. Reproach is a thing that keeps us outside of the in-group. Reproach is, is, is that feeling of like, ah, maybe I shouldn't go to church today because I messed up. You know, I'm too gross. I've got too much sin in my, in, uh, on my, in my soul right now. I shouldn't go. That's what reproach is. It's shame. It's things that push us away from God and his people. Well, friends, by the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, our sin has been dealt with. Through Jesus' perfect offering, we too are cleansed from sin and our reproach is taken away. Well, like I said earlier, you might be sitting here today thinking, sure, Rick, God maybe did away with ways in which I was rude with people, you know, maybe the times I, I didn't hold the door open, but, but what's haunting me, God didn't deal with that. God didn't actually remove that away, and I need to carry that shame. Well, friend, how do you think I know that God can remove any sin? Well, it's because when we open up this ancient book, this holy book, this book that is living and active and pierces our souls, this is the story that I read time and time and time again. In fact, when God himself comes down to the, this world, we see this story of reproach being removed from after individual after individual. I think of Zacchaeus, the traitor of his people, born a Jew, but enrolled as a Roman tax collector. He was essentially authorized to steal money from his own family, from his own people. Everyone in the town hated Zacchaeus for building up this tremendous treasure for himself by robbing his brothers and sisters. But Jesus saw him, Jesus called out to him, and Jesus removed the shame from him. He accepted him as a friend, and he dined with him. 
God can remove the sin of betrayal and robbery. But I also think of the woman caught in adultery, caught in the act itself in that moment. And she's dragged before Jesus Christ by these wicked men who are excited to see Jesus condemn her. But what does Jesus do? He says to those men, you who have who has no sin, cast the first stone. And all these accusers begin to fade away one by one by one. And then Jesus forgives her sin. You see, God can remove the stain of even sexual sin. Or I think of the Apostle Paul, that great enemy of the church. He used to round up Christians, people like me and you. He used to call the rest of the town out and said, everyone pick up a stone. It's time to throw a rock at these people. He was a murderer of Christians. And yet God transformed his life and used him and transformed him to be a major leader of the church. You see, God can remove the guilt and the shame and the reproach of even being a murderer. The Bible is full of stories like these. And I bet if we were to have an open mic right now, some of you would come up and share some of the ways in which God has removed the reproach from your lives. We'd be, we'd be horrified at the things that have been happened, but we would be so enriched and blessed to know about the depths of God's forgiveness. God can remove the reproach from our lives. The new life that he offers us is a life free from sin. All right, verse nine, what do we read there? It will be said on that day, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. But this is our Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. We do a lot of weird things uh, we Christians do. Like I, I hope you know that. I hope, you know, I, I definitely know that. Uh, we do a lot of weird things. Um, Sundays, or Easter's especially, are full of some interesting things. But one of the weird things that we do is for 40 days of Lent, we don't say the word hallelujah. We like... <laughs> Now it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Karis. That was great. <laughs> but we don't say it for, we don't say that word for 40 days. It's removed from our worship services. And sometimes people accidentally say it and we're like, oops, I didn't mean to do that. You know, and people be like, shh, don't say that word. You know, for 40 days we do this. But then once Easter arrives, the Alleluia returns. And it returns with gusto. It returns with bells and hoots and holler and passing out of chocolate and laughter as we finally sing out the Alleluia together. <laughs> Behold our God is the song that we sing. We waited for him, but he gave us salvation. We have experienced salvation. You see, this is what God does. He gives us, as a part of the new life, he gives us a new song to sing. He gives us bells and he gives us worship and praise and, and new words and new testimonies. And some of you might not feel that way. Some of you might be in a place of silence. Either you've been told not to speak or maybe the tragedies of this world have robbed the joy from you. But God wants to give you a new song of salvation. Because brothers and sisters, you were made in his image for beauty and for joy. And so the final point is that new life is full of a new song. Praise the Lord. So why does God do all of this? Why does the creator of the cosmos take the time to prepare you a feast? Why does the king of glory want to give you eternal life alongside with him? Why does the good father want to remove your guilt and shame? Why does the almighty God care about giving you a song? 
It's because he loves you. It's because he loves you. He wants to be with you. You are his treasured possession. This is why he became man and walked among us. This is why he rescues sinners, redeems our lives, restores the broken pieces of our lives back together into wholeness. It's why he invites us into his household and provides for us at his table. It's because he loves you. Well, maybe you're hearing this for the first time today. Or maybe you've been away from church for a long time and God has been tugging on your heart and pulling you here. There's a reason why we call this church restoration because that's the story of a lot of us. Many of us here have have fallen into the brokenness. We've all experienced sin. We've all been wounded. We've all been um, scarred horribly. Every single individual who you've seen on stage in the last several days, we've all got limps that we walk with. As you've heard me say before, this is not a museum of saints, but a, a hospital for sinners. This can be a home, a place where your soul can be restored into the warm embrace of Almighty God. God who died for you. God who loves you. God who wants to feast with you. So if you want to be brought into this, please tell me. Let's find a time to meet. In fact, you can take your bulletin and on the back page there is a connection card. You can write down your name, write a note in there, stick it in one of the teal boxes and that'll get to me. Or you can email me or you can just pull, pull me aside at the end of the service. I'd love to talk to you about these things, about dealing with sin that might be haunting you, about um, desperation and despair that might be haunting you. And I wanna talk about the new life that is given to us by our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we are unworthy. We have fallen short. But Jesus Christ, you came down and you did what we could not. You lived a holy life, a beautiful life. And everywhere you went, the new kingdom was spilling forth. You reached out to the brokenhearted. You reached out to the outcasts, those who've been forgotten, those who have been wounded, those who have sinned and been sinned against. Lord, you reached out and you brought them into your embrace. So do it again today, Lord. May the warmth of your spirit, the knowledge of your love, pour out to every individual who is here this morning. We love you, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.